You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season one, episode 34. We called this one a rocky weekend after the Cubs dropped two of three to the Rockies out at Wrigley Field. And again, from the start, we promised you that we'd keep at least one eye on the minor league system, so we want to pay that off. We've got a great interview here with the play-by-play voice of the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. Joining me now on Fly the W, we have the play-by-play uh, voice of your Myrtle Beach Pelicans, Sam Wiederhoff. How you doing, Sam? I'm good, Crawley. Thanks for having me on again. Good to talk again and uh, doing well. You know, we've now entered the baseball offseason, so I got to find stuff to do. Well, you know, it, it's, it's you know, God, it was, uh, you started the season like you ended the season, right? Against the River Dogs. Yeah. And so tell people about how the minor league postseason works. It's first half, second half, correct? That's right. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're in the Carolina League. So we won the first half of the Carolina League South Division. Uh, So it was split into, you know, two halves, 66 games each. And we won the first half. Uh, Charleston ended up winning the second half. And it was, you know, four teams make the postseason. So the Carolina League has 12 teams, four teams made it. So we played Charleston in that first round. It was called the South Division Championship. Um, So we we met them in the first round and and unfortunately lost a best of three series to nothing. Charleston, you know, we're doing this recording now, but they're in the the championship now against the Lynchburg Hillcats who won the North Division and Lynchburg took on Fredericksburg. So it was a nice little setup, you know, four teams out of 12 make it, um, you know, quick best of three series and uh, each team gets at least one home game guaranteed, which I thought was really nice. And, um, you know, we had a really good playoff environment. Charleston had a really good playoff environment. So it was just good to have, you know, somewhat normal playoffs back after last year. It was just, you know, two teams out of the 12 made it. And Charleston won it last year too, but it was it was a good experience. I, I really enjoyed you know seeing my my fair share of playoff baseball. So how many years have you been doing this, Sam? As far as the play by play voice of the Pelicans? So this is my second season of doing it with the Pelicans. Uh, started last year, um, did not make the postseason last year. Uh, now you know came back for a second go around and just had an absolute blast in 2021 and 2022. It's been uh, it's been an incredible ride so far. And and how long have you been doing minor league baseball? So same season. So, so two years, uh, same thing. Um, I, you know, my first real baseball job was uh, I was a play-by-play guy for the Bourne Braves in the uh, Cape Cod Baseball League. And that was the summer going into my senior year of college at Butler University. So that was kind of my first taste of being with uh, a baseball team. But that was, you know, summer collegiate league. So I've been with the Pelicans now for two years and in minor league baseball for two years. And I absolutely love it. It's incredible every night. And you had probably a season that's going to be very hard to repeat as far as as far as just how enjoyable and what you got to see firsthand. And, and so tell, you know, when you think about the first half, you guys were the best minor league team in baseball. Walk us through what that was like as you kind of sit here and you, and you get the list and you're looking at the pitchers and you're looking at the hitters. You had to have known that something special was going to happen. Well, yeah, there was definitely talk in the preseason of, you know, you know, who's going to come to Myrtle Beach and, um, you know, just kind of guessing on who those players were that were going to make that opening day roster. And when the opening day roster, you know, finally came out, I took a look at it and I was like, we're going to be pretty good. I mean, we had uh, 20 returners from last year's team and most of those were pitchers. Um, And you saw it the first half, our relievers were extremely experienced. They knew exactly what they were doing. And uh, frankly, they were way too good for single A. So, um, you know, that kind of led to that early success. But, yeah, you, you just took a look at that roster and you saw Pete Crow Armstrong. And then, you know, one weekend, Kevin Alcantara joined and James Triantos coming off a great uh, 2021 season here in the Arizona Complex League. And 
you know, you knew you knew you were going to have a pretty good team. And, uh, you know, we played Charleston to start off the season, lost two of three there. But, you know, you could tell some guys were just knocking some cobwebs out. It was a cold weekend and, uh, you, you know, couldn't really take too much from that series. Uh, and then our first homestand against the Augusta Green Jackets, we won four of six games and three of those were on walk-offs. So it was like you knew right then that this was going to be uh, a special season. And it absolutely was. The first half was incredible. We ended with uh, 47 wins, which were the most first half wins in our franchise history. And just so many memorable moments in that first half with the team that we had. It was uh, incredible to watch every single night. It was truly a blessing to see you know, guys like Pete Crow Armstrong play 38 games for us. And Kevin Alcantara really learned how to, you know, play professional full season baseball. Same thing with James Triantos. And then watching the pitchers get moved up too, you know, deservedly so. They would dominate at this level and and then get the call up. But, uh, yeah, the first half winning that South Division championship was great. But we only won it by one game. I mean, Charleston was right there the whole time. And it came down to the final, you know, 66th game. And we beat them by one game. But I'm so I'm so happy we did. It was a great experience. Now, you know, every every person that ever dreamed or pretend to be a broadcaster would always, you know, obviously you want to call the championship game, but a no hitter. That's always kind of one of those things that, you know, they, they even had a movie about that. I remember, uh, I can't remember the name of it, with Kevin Costner. Of course, it's a Kevin Costner baseball movie. Yeah. You didn't get to call one to no hitter. You got to call two no hitters. So, yeah. so as you're kind as it's kind of happening, right. And I've seen no hitters. I've never seen one in person. Uh, I got close. I was at a game that uh, Ted Lilly had one going into the ninth against the white Sox, if you can believe that. Yeah. But you know, as a broadcaster, you know, there has to be a certain point in time where you start looking and, and you kind of start thinking to yourself, okay, something could potentially be going on here. You know, did, did you have any indication on either of those no hitters that you were about to see something special? You know, I, I did um, on both of them, really. I mean, it was the first one was May 1st, um, so the season was still pretty fresh. And we had, like I said, just an, an incredible bullpen full of experienced arms, arms. And the three guys that threw that first no-hitter, Walker Powell, Adam Lasky, Jake Rindle, all college guys, all were, I think, above the age of 24 at the time. And, you know, in the beginning part of this year, you could tell when they got on the mound, like they were overmatched or they were over – you know, they're playing better than uh, the hitters. And uh, you know, like Jake Rindle has an incredible slider that nobody could catch up to. So, you know, Walker Powell starts that first game and it was his first start of the year. I think it was a spot start. I don't know if somebody got hurt or if they were still trying to figure out the rotation or what was going on. But he starts that first that, that first no hitter and he goes five innings, obviously, without allowing a hit. And that was the longest uh, one of our starters had gone without allowing a hit. So I said that on the broadcast. And as soon as I said that, that's kind of really you know, when I tuned into it and we were playing the Columbia Fireflies and Columbia in the first half uh, was not very good. I, I think they won 19 games. Maybe I just not a very mm. good uh, weren't we're bringing wins in. And, uh, you know, so I knew that we after those five innings, I was like, you know, we might have a chance looking at our bullpen. You know, and then Lasky comes out and deals for uh, I think he went two innings, um, two or three. And then Rindle came out and closed the door. And it was it was after that seventh inning is kind of when I got the goosebumps and started shaking a little bit and think, you know, maybe this could happen. And, uh, and then it did. And as, as soon as it did, actually on both of them, as soon as it did, I, you know, I get done with the broadcast, get done with the post game show. I run into our other room, which kind of controls the whole broadcast. And I just start jumping up and down. I mean, I was super <laughs> excited. I, I had no idea what to do with myself. I had so much energy. And uh, I think the folks up there were kind of looking at me like, you know, Sam, you better calm down. <laughs> but 
uh, it was just the first one was such a cool feeling. And then the second one to had to do it with, you know, five new, completely new pitchers and most of them that weren't even on that roster uh, for the first no hitter was incredible. And it speaks to, you know, two guys, Clayton Mortensen, our pitching coach, who's done an incredible job uh, with the guys over the past two years. And then Ethan Hearn catching behind the plate. He was back there uh, for both games. He told me that he's always wanted to have a no hitter and and then he ends up with two of them. But the uh, the second one, yeah, we played Fayetteville, the Fayetteville Woodpeckers in the middle of July. And, uh, you know, they kind of rolled out a Sunday lineup that, you know, they, you know, their top prospects were out of it, and uh, they just didn't really have their best guys going. And, uh, you know, you kind of got a feeling that the way our pitching staff had pitched that week, that they might do something special in that last game. And, you know, I didn't think it was going to be a no-hitter, but uh, that's what they ended up doing. So, yeah, it just it, it great a great year for the pitching staff. We ended up with the most strikeouts in the, in the entire Carolina League, uh, the third lowest ERA. And, uh, yeah, two historic nights, both at Pelicans Ballpark after the Pelicans had never had a no-hitter at home in 24 years. We finally have it, and uh, it happens twice in 2022. So I will never forget it, that's for sure. I got to ask, you know, do, you know, people used to get all mad. I remember with Lenny Casper and stuff like that where, where – you know, no hitter, you know, like where, where do you stand on that? Do, do, do you actually say no hitter or do you try to kind of dance around that? Well, I, you know, I would dance around it until it gets to, you know, the ninth inning. And once, once we, I remember both times, once we got to the ninth, that's when I, you know, not only say the words no hitter, but I kind of go into the history of, okay, here's how many Pelicans, no hitters there've been in the past, because, you know, I, a jinx is a jinx, but I got to provide some historical context for what's going on. <laughs> so, you know, if, if, if it if it falls on me, I'm sorry, but I just got to kind of set the scene. That's uh, kind of my view on it. Absolutely, and and that's like like I said, it's just it's just one of those funny things that I think and now you know announcers kind of get some grief for, and oh, yeah. you know, I just you almost have I, I got I can't even imagine like you know trying to keep yourself like slowing yourself slowing the game down almost like a player would, you know, as an announcer trying to just not get overexcited, not talk too fast because you just know what's going on, you know, and, and it's gotta be crazy. Yeah. Well, and you know that both, both no hitters, really, I was thinking, you know, seventh, eighth inning. All right. What am I going to say when the last out happens? You know, I got to say something good. It's got to be the perfect call. You know, this, this has really never happened a lot in, in franchise history. So, um, you know, that, that definitely kind of, kind of goes through your mind, but you know, you just got to kind of take a deep breath and, see what happens. And, you know, that's uh, kind of how it goes, but definitely. Uh, yeah. I, those last two innings, I was, I was nervous. I was shaking. I was excited. It's just, it, it's a kind of energy that, you know, you really don't have all that often, but it was incredibly fun. Now, as far as memorable wins in the season, are there, were there one or two that kind of just stand out in your head that, that I can't believe I saw that that was just an absolutely amazing victory. It's something, something that kind of just sticks in your head. Yeah, there was one, uh, you know, we, we had six walk-off wins this year, and the last one was on, I believe it was August 2nd, and Josue Uma was batting. Now, Uma's not, you know, he's not a top prospect anywhere, um, but he had a great year for us this season playing shortstop, and I think he played a little bit of second base, but he comes up, uh, we're down by, well, we're down by, well, I think it was four to three to Lynchburg Hillcats, and we got the bases loaded. I don't know if there's one or two outs, but Uma comes up, and he works an 11-pitch at-bat. And finally hits a single over the second baseman's head into right center field, brings home two runs. And uh, just to see the team kind of celebrate that whole win after just an incredible at bat by him, 11 pitches. And uh, just to win that game, I think felt really good. And that was kind of the, I don't want to say it was the last good moment, but it was, you know, we really struggled in August and, you know, that, that that's because of a lot of reasons. I think most of it is because, you know, so many guys got called up 
and we had so many new guys come into this team. And, uh, you know, it was just inexperience, hadn't played at this level, just getting used to it. And, uh, you know, most some other teams hadn't had those same that that same turnover. So August was a tough month. But to begin that month that way, uh, I think was really cool. And then there was a game in June where we came out as the Myrtle Beach Mermen, which is a tribute to the show Eastbound and Down. And it was our last year of doing it. And the game was incredible. Kevin Alcantara hits a home run. Juan Mora hits an inside the park home run. And Adam Lasky closed the game out. And I remember saying on the broadcast, because I think it was a, it was a sellout crowd or it was close to a sellout crowd, but the, the fans were into it the whole game. I mean, it was just a really cool environment. And, you know, Lasky strikes the final guy out. And I said, you know, the Pelicans went on Saturday night in one of the best environments of the season because it, it would, everybody was into it. It was such a fun game. And uh, that's definitely – those are two games that I think kind of stick out. But – when you win 78 games in a season, you know, that's there's a lot of those moments. So it was uh, just overall a really awesome season to be a part of. Now, you know, Cup fans were excited about PCA, but it really wasn't until he was at Myrtle Beach that people really kind of just start turning their heads being like, well, what do we got here? You know, and, and, and eventually he would end up taking the number one. He's number one on the Cubs prospect list. You know, did you what did you see that was so special that Cub fans should kind of really get excited about when it comes to PCA? Well, his play discipline, I think, uh, was the first thing that I really noticed. You know, two strikes didn't scare the guy. I mean, he had so many two-strike hits that um, would just fall anywhere. But he just really had, you know, everything. Speed, uh, power. I think he hit seven home runs with us. I got to see one of them at home. You know, that, that's another thing that sticks out. But just from a mentality standpoint, um, he's such a competitor on the field. And he had so much fire that he played with. And, you know, I think that really sparked our dugout. Uh, in our team quite a bit in that first half was just seeing the emotion that he would play with and the competitiveness and, you know, seeing what he does on the field. And I think that kind of brought some inspiration to our guys and, uh, you know, just kind of lift this team up a little bit. And he just brought, you know, that kind of energy to the field and it just really kind of, you know, resonated with everybody and trickled down, but he just, he had, you know, so many tools, power, speed, his defense was great. You know, as, as people in South Bend are now seeing that how many great catches he's had in center field, but um, you know, good contact, like just, he is the best player I've ever broadcasted um, in my you know few years of doing baseball, but, you know, and, and talking around with, with, uh, with his teammates and other Pelicans, they would say the same thing, that he's the best player they've ever played with. So uh, I think the buzz is definitely warranted. It's definitely real. And you know, I'm going to follow his journey all the way up to the majors because I can't wait to see what he does in Chicago, you know, whenever that time comes. He's just a, a great player to watch, very competitive and uh, extremely, extremely fun to watch on the field. So, you know, speaking of you talked about the pitching staff, I think you guys lost your whole pitching staff to South Bend, right? Or, or pretty much close to it? Yeah, it was that, that whole rotation that we had for a majority of the first half all got the got the call at South Bend. Yep. That, that, that it's, it's hard to imagine, but you know, that first time that, you know, the, that world series team, the Cubs had so many hitters, not a lot of pitchers, but, but now you're starting to see the fruits of some of the pitching infrastructure that the Cubs are putting out there. Uh, you know, who really kind of opened up your eyes when you were watching them out this season in Myrtle beach? Well, I mean, with that rotation, it was, uh, it's tough to pick, you know, a few, I think two guys that, I would say are Luis Devers and Porter Hodge and both got um, separate Cubs minor league pitcher of the month awards. And Hodge was that first month in April. Um, 
And when Hodge first got here, like he ended the 2021 season with the Pelicans. So I already, you know, talked to him last year and I knew who he was, but he comes up and shows up. He's 25 pounds lighter. Uh, he's a lot more toned and just look, you know, looks a lot more in shape. And he gets on the mound and just starts doing what he does in that first month. And it was like, all right, I think we have a, you know, a prospect here. And, uh, you know, everything that I've heard about him is just his mentality. He's a bulldog on the mound. He's going to get you out, you know, no matter what it takes. And uh, I think that, you know, that success has, has carried him to high A. And um, he ended up being one of our best starters. And then Luis Devers, we saw what he did. Uh, just a, a great pitch mix. Um, and again, it's, you know, I talked to Morty, our pitching coach, like a lot of those starters had a common thing. And that was just, it was the mentality. And Luis Devers was another guy that he would get out there and just turn into this, you know, fierce monster on the mound. And that ended up being the difference, you know, maybe, I don't know how good his stuff is. I don't know how good his fastball is. I'm not in the batter's box to see it, but like I can tell when he's locked in, you know, he's locked in and you're not getting a hit off him. So I think that's kind of the difference with those two guys. Um, and I think, you know, that, that's a key to, you know, why they've had a, a great and successful 2022. But yeah, I mean, you know, Luke Little and his fastball and what Luke Little was able to do, Tyler Schlafer after struggling in the first half of the year, you know, really uh, had a good course in the second half and to kind of turn things around ended up developing a new pitch and, you know, just kept adding to his arsenal. Richard Gallardo, who was a second year Pelican, uh, you know, he showed an incredible improvement. He gets the call up. So, you know, it was just such a good rotation. And, uh, you know, every night you went into that game thinking you were going to win because of the guys we had on the mound. Two guys that, that have spent the whole year in Myrtle Beach this year, Kevin Alcantara, you mentioned, and James Triantos. What do you think is, is is the biggest learning experience that first year of playing pro ball that holds, you know, like what are you talking about, 120 games, 122 games? Yeah. Well, the season was 132, and, and James and Kevin missed uh, not that much. I mean, I think James was at 105 or six games, and Kevin was a few games behind. So, uh, you know, talking – I talked with James a lot about it throughout the season, and – it was just getting used to, you know, playing that many games and how your body's going to react to an entire season of baseball. And with James, I mean, my goodness, he ended the season incredibly well, a 17 game hitting streak. He was batting just under 400 in that time. And, you know, he didn't really show any signs of fatigue. And, you know, they, there were rovers that came in our hitting coach, Stephen Polakov, and, you know, guys would, you know, teach him, you know, how to improve his swing or how to improve his stance or whatever. And he would react to it really well and just go off. So, he was uh, very coachable um, and an extremely competitive guy. That's, you know, you kind of ask around our coaching staff about James and he just, he wants to win. He wants to win. He wants to do well. And you could see that on the field. So he's just uh, a really fun player to watch uh, and, you know, just kind of see his improvement at the single A level. And then Kevin, uh, you know, he, his power is off the charts. You know, his swing is so fluid and the ball just jumps off the bat He's got size. He's going to have more muscle as the years go on. He's, I mean, he's the Jaguar. He, he glides in the outfield. That's just kind of how he moves. And, uh, you know, so I think with Kevin, it was just, you know, getting at bats, getting experience in the outfield and just, you know, kind of seeing more experience here in single A and kind of getting ready for that next year of full season baseball. But, you know, both players just showed signs of incredible improvement. And uh, to play over 100 games in your first full year of baseball, uh, you know, and not our first full season of baseball and, you know, not have to deal with too many injuries and just kind of grind it out. I think that says a lot. And both ended up batting over 270. So, uh, you know, incredible years by both guys. 
Now, you know, a lot of people don't, I mean, maybe not everyone knows, but the Cubs just have an incredible manager down at Myrtle beach in buddy Bailey. How important do you think he is for the development of these young guys, especially like, you know, when you talk about Triantos and some of these guys coming right out of high school and, and some of the international guys, it seems like, like buddy just kind of commands and is just a really, I don't know if you could have a better first manager in pro ball. Yeah, Buddy is incredible. Um, and, you know, I knew him last year. Obviously, he was our manager. And then this year, too, coming back. And I really got to know him pretty well this year. And I think a lot of it is he's really seen everything. I mean, he's been around for – that was his 34th year of managing. He's been around the game for a long, long time. And I think, you know, he's seen a lot. But also his routine of getting guys on the field and, you know, just continuing to practice, continuing to get better, I think really – you know, says a lot. And he's told me that he's had other managers, you know, come up to him, you know, what's your infield routine? How many times, how many times are you doing uh, bunting a week? How many times are you practicing sliding? Like he's not afraid to go out there and do that with those guys just to improve every single aspect of their game. So I I think routine is a big thing uh, with Buddy because no matter what, I knew guys were going to be on the field for early work at 2.30, 3 o'clock. Batting practice was going to start at four. They'd be out for stretching at 345. And that just kind of gets you in that routine of, all right, here's what I'm doing every day. This is, you know, kind of what we're going to be working on. And uh, I think, you know, Buddy really executes that extremely well. And then just all that experience and getting to, you know, coach those guys, I think, you know, they they really, uh, they really benefit from that. And, uh, you know, he's he's a great manager to have at this level, at this age that these guys are. I think it's just uh, a great experience for him. Yeah, I remember talking to James and just like how much he loved playing for Buddy. So now that, you know, the season's over, you know, obviously you don't know what's going to happen over the next year. But, you know, when when you think, do you ever make trips out to uh, spring training to kind of see what the guys are doing or what's going on out there? Or the first time do you see everyone is in Myrtle Beach? Well, I'd love to make a spring training trip. I mean, that's that's a bucket list item for me. I have not been out there yet, um, but – I love it. I mean, I, I, I've always thought about going to spring training um, and just kind of seeing that whole thing. But yeah, the first time I saw them this year was when they got here for media day, which was a few days before opening day. And, you know, we kind of took pictures and did a practice and everything. So that's really the first time I kind of get to kind of get to see everybody. How much fun do you have doing some of those videos as far as you, you had the one where you guys are cruising down the street in the convertibles. How much, I mean, it's gotta be a fun part of it. You know what I mean? It's a ton of fun. And I think just, you know, our team, the Myrtle Beach Pelicans, like we embrace being at the beach and just being a fun team to be around. And yeah, that show, uh, Bingo Driving Down the Boulevard was, uh, it was fun. It was fun, man. You, you won't believe how many times we got honks and people taking videos of our car going down the road. Um, it was, and you know, the waves and everything. We were like celebrities. Like, I mean, I, obviously I know the player I'm talking to is a celebrity, but like, I wasn't used to that. So it was uh, it was something else, man. We had uh, we had some fun times doing that, and just a, a great group of guys that were uh, willing to do stuff like that, which is which is always great. I'm always thankful for it. So I love being with this team. I love being able to do stuff like that. Love being at the beach and having the opportunity to do things like that. And uh, yeah, just uh, it's, we always like to spice things up. And how much of a thrill is it to be broadcasting on Marquee Network and knowing that you're going to a massive audience, including a rabid Chicago fan base? Yeah, it's sweet, man. It is. Uh, it's the coolest thing I've probably ever been able to do in my broadcasting career is to be on the Marquee Sports Network for, you know, multiple games. It started last year and we did four or five games last year. And then this year we just we did, gosh, I want to say 
nine or 10. Um, we were on marquee four. And it's funny, you know, you just, I don't really, I didn't really realize the reach until I went to Chicago. I was there for a wedding uh, in early September. So a few weeks ago, I was back for a wedding. And uh, now don't, don't hate me, but I went to a White Sox game because the Cubs were out of town mm. and I wanted to go see a major league game. I had, I hadn't seen a major league game in three years. So I go to a White Sox game and uh, Dylan Cease throws a no hitter through eight and two thirds. So he came one out away from throwing a no hitter, which would have been the third no hitter I would have saw that year. <laughs> um, but I'm talking with a fan who's sitting behind me. He's got his kid, you know, nice guy. We're kind of talking throughout the game. And, you know, I tell him, I go, well, if, if this happens, you know, this could be the third no hitter that I've seen. And we kind of get to how I'm the broadcaster for the Pelicans. And he goes, no way. I was walking you guys on marquee on Sunday. And I was like, well, I was the, I was the broadcaster for it. So we, uh, we kind of talked about that and he, he recognized the voice. I ended up taking a picture with his kid and uh, it's just crazy, man. You know, I have this tiny booth in Myrtle beach and uh, you know, what I say into the mic reaches all you guys in Chicago and the Midwest and all that. So it was, it's just an incredible experience and we love being with Marquis. Well, and I, and I think that MLB, the, well, a big complaint that about MLB just in general is marketing players. And I think everybody's starting to realize the importance of social media and getting these young players out so that people can start to identify and follow. And when you have something like Marquis, you know what I mean? You could watch a Myrtle beach game. And then later on that same person you were watching is up in South bend going on to Tennessee, et cetera. And so it's important, I think, that, you know, from that standpoint, whether you're talking about some of the videos you did or being on marquee or even the media day, I think it, it's it used to be minor league baseball is kind of like very kind of like, you know, just the surrounding area. But now it's it's become much more something that everybody's watching. No, it's sweet. And I think, you know, we have the right priorities here at the Pelicans as far as, you know, our players like we want to show them off. You know, we know that. Kevin Alcantara is going to be playing big time baseball at some point. So let's do a project on him. Like, you know, let's do a feature story. Triantos, let's get him on bingo drive. Let's take him down the boulevard. Like, let's show him off a little bit because he's young right now, but, you know, he's hopefully going to be mashing in Chicago at one point. Um, we did a feature story on Pete Crow Armstrong because we knew we were, you know, we did that back in May and we knew he wasn't going to be here for long. So uh, we wanted to get that knocked out because we want to show off these guys and their personality and their stories and all that because this is, you know, I, I got to remind myself all the time, like this is really for a lot of players. It's their first taste of what the media is like and, you know, being broadcasted and stuff like that, especially for the international guys that, you know, the Arizona Complex League isn't broadcasted. The Dominican Summer League's not broadcasted. Like I am introducing them to, uh, you know, Cubs fans and uh, it's really the first time people get to watch them. So uh, I think from that standpoint, you know, we, we, we would like to show off as many players as we can to get Cubs fans to know who they are so that when they do make it up to AAA in the major leagues, um, you kind of already have an idea of who this player is and, and what he does. One last question for you here is that obviously your season, unfortunately, is over. But, uh, you know, right now South Bend, I was there last night. They got two more games coming up against Lake County and then Tennessee starting up. How close do you follow the other affiliates, especially now that you guys are out? And the fact that you know so many, I mean, you're talking about, I think, Luis Devers is pitching game two and Porter Hodge pitching game three. Yeah, I'm going to be watching them. That's for sure. Um, you know, I love I love Iowa because they play a lot of day games. So I'll be, you know, getting ready for one of our games and I'll turn the Iowa game on. I watch Tennessee from time to time, but I've, I've really been following that South Bend team pretty close. You know, not only, you know, do I know the the players that are playing there right now because they played with us, played with us either last year or this year, but uh, the broadcasters, Brendan King 
and Max Toma. Uh, I've become, you know, pretty close with talking with them. I, I went to college with Brendan King, so I've known him for uh, a few years now. Uh, oh, gosh, five or six. So I, you know, I've followed his career. I love listening to him broadcast. And going back to the no hitters, you know, he texted me after that first no hitter, congratulations. And I thought he had, you know, called one before. So I texted him and I said, thank you, man. Like, how many no hitters have you called? And he goes, <laughs> he goes, I haven't yet. <laughs> it's like, well, you, you've been around it longer than I have. I think you would have had one. Um, so I'm, I'm cheering really hard for them. I hope that uh, they can they can come back in the championship series and win back-to-back games and uh, hopefully have a party over in South Bend. Absolutely, man. Well, I, Sam, I appreciate you hopping on. I, I hope the next time you're in Chicago – you ring me up so I can buy you a beer and, and hopefully we can catch a Cubs game sometime in Chicago. But uh, thank you for hopping on and we'll talk to you again in the future. Carly, that'd be great, man. Thanks for having me on this season. Love talking with you and go Pelicans. Go Pelicans.